So would you help me stand up on your feet and let's honor Pastor Andy Heist. Come on, let's put our hands together for him. What's up, what's up? How's everybody doing? Come on, sit down. Have a seat. Come on, hey. Thank you, brother. You good? I, I didn't know if you wanted to fight me or not. Hey, I'm just kidding. I love you. Hey, uh, hey, it's awesome to see you. I see about four of y'all in the front row and I can't see anybody else. So it's good. We're good, all right? Hey, listen, uh, don't you love your pastor and, and, and his wife, Annalise, and all 29 of his sons? And man, I, I absolutely love your pastor. You guys are, are honored to have him. It's an honor to be here with him. But you guys are so blessed to have a pastor that loves Jesus. I get to see him behind the scenes. I get to see him on a two-hour drive from Dallas to here going through traffic, and he didn't cuss but twice. But the big picture is, is that he, he loves the Lord. Annalise loves the Lord. I, I love both of them. They're passionate about Jesus. Uh, do, do they call you PB? But you, I, they call me PA. PB be weird like peanut butter. I was thinking about that. You know what I wish that I had that I'm just jealous of him? Is that like whenever he can, he can sing, like he can actually come up here and sing. I sound like Kermit the Frog dying. Seriously, when I sing, it's, it's awful. But anyway, um, yeah, y'all are incredibly blessed. And I'll tell you something else that I noticed when I got here, um, while I'm over here worshiping, is y'all got one of the like, mu biggest muscle head camera takers I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, come on, which way to the weight room, brother? Like, whoa. Like, anyway, it's like the Dwayne Johnson's taking pictures for them. That's great. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I hope he's got a good sense of humor. But hey, um, hey, listen, I, I, it is, it's, it's, it's uh, awesome to see what God's doing in this building. Isn't this cool right here, how God has blessed y'all with this place? And I don't know if everybody knows the whole story here. I'm not going to tell you because I'll jack it up somehow or another. But I know that the Lord has really, really blessed you guys with this place. And Steve was up here working. Last time, I, last time I came, I think I was the last person to speak at y'all's school, and y'all moved over here the next week, and I, I, was, I walked through here, and I'm like, man, Steve got a lot of work to do, because there's a lot still left to do and stuff, but now I get to walk in here a year later, and man, it is gorgeous. This place is beautiful, and I know, yeah, come on, come on, give it up for Jesus. This is, this is good. So... Listen, I know that God's going to bring the masses into this place. Uh, y'all going to have to find another place at some point. But right now, God's got you this place, and it is beautiful, and y'all are blessed. And it is, it's fun to see from a distance what God is doing with City Hope. Uh, he's, God's moving, I'm telling you. You don't see, just hear me. You don't see churches grow as fast as this one's grown. Uh, how long y'all been going? Four years? Three years? Five years? Dear God, dear Lord Jesus, Listen, I don't know if you're Baptist or not, because he told me y'all run like 750, and that's like counting the choir four times, all right? So, but I mean, like, that y'all don't understand what y'all are part of. I mean, maybe you do, but I don't know if you really understand, like, that, that's like a low, that's less than 10% of the, the churches in the, in the world grow that fast, all right? And so, God's doing something here, all right? I can sense his presence here. And listen, I, I'm hoping that some way, form, or fashion, I can add on to a little bit more of what God's doing and just share with you. He asked me to share with you my story about prayer, all right? And so I'm hoping that I can connect with you. Maybe God can tug on your heartstrings in the area of prayer. I'm going to step out and say that you guys are probably the core of City Hope Church um, because, you know, you probably wouldn't be here tonight on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Um, if it wasn't for your passion for Jesus and your passion for this church. And so I don't think I'm going to really say anything that's, um, that's just going to be mind-blowing to you. 
Um, but I do hope that it pushes you some way, form, or fashion into doing something that, uh, that God wants you to do. I, I'm looking out there and I'm seeing people laugh up here at me and I'm thinking like, gosh, I hope my fly zipped. I don't know if it is or not. <laughs> Just check. Okay, it is. Um, so, so listen, um, so I, I want to share it. I didn't mean, he moved up here to the very top, brother. I'm sorry, man. I can't miss you though. Like the, the rock. Anyway, um, uh, so, so I gave, so let me just start. I, I gave my life to Christ at the age of like 24. Um, I'll, I'll be 50 next month. I know that's hard for some of you to believe. All of Olay works wonders. Rodan and Fields is fantastic. Um, but I, uh, I, gave, I mean, God started speaking to me, honestly, in a club parking lot. Like for you guys in this world that are in this room that are too religious to think that Jesus goes, doesn't go to clubs, he does. He goes to senior frauds because that's where he met me. All right? Now, we weren't dancing with Tom Collins or anything like that, but the big picture is, is that Jesus met me in a club parking lot, radically changed my life. And listen, seriously, I work for Coca-Cola, worst job in America. If you work there, I'm sorry. I'm praying for you today. Um, I, we had to wear green clothes back then. I looked like a gigantic pickle, looked like Gumby. But, um, you know, all the guys there knew me as a Hellraiser. And I'll be honest with you, on Friday leaving Coca-Cola, um, I was a Hellraiser. God changed my life because that's what he does. The gospel changes people's lives. It radically changed my life. I went, to, I went back to Coca-Cola on Monday, a holy roller. And so God radically just flipped my life completely upside down, changed my life. And I know that don't happen the way, that way for everybody, but it did for me. He ran, and that's what the gospel changes you. It's changing me still today. It's changing you still today if you're walking with Christ, all right? Because that's what Jesus does. But I remember, I didn't really know what to do when I gave my life to Christ. I, I knew that I was supposed to read my Bible. I knew I was supposed to pray. Didn't have a clue how to do that. Thought it was kind of weird. I'm praying. I don't see anybody around, but I'm going to just give this a shot. And so I felt like I was talking to air. But um, I remember all I had was my my grandmother's King James Version Bible. I understood about half of it. I didn't understand, but there's your, there's your senior adult. Listen, so I'm just kidding. I love you. I'm sorry. Woo! Thou art God. Anyway, listen. I, that's wrong. I shouldn't say that. There's somebody like, you just heresy right there. You just make fun of the King James. I did make fun. I'm making fun of the guy who hollered at me. Anyway, I'm just, I'm not doing that either. Big picture is I didn't know what else to do. And so I just started pursuing God, like reading the Bible praying. I'd go to church every time the doors were open. I just wanted to know more. I wanted to just soak it in. And I can remember after being saved for about two months, um, I, I'm, I'm going to a big, gigantic church. The, the name of the church was Garden of First Baptist. This is where I gave my life to Christ. Um, I, I'm sitting, uh, you know, in the pews. And this dude, this man walks across um, the church and he comes and finds me. I never met him a day in my life. And he says, hey, man, my name's David Jett. And, hey, we just started a singles ministry. In other words, a.k.a. Andy, you look like a loser sitting out here by yourself. Apparently you're single. Come to our ministry. Anyway, he says, I can see something on you that it looks like the Lord really wants is, is in your life and on your life. And I would really love for you to come to our singles ministry. He's like, okay, I, I'd love to come because I was just hungry. I just wanted as much as I get. So the next Sunday, I was, at, I was at the single Sunday school classroom. And so in the process of going, I started going on a regular basis. Within probably two or three weeks, David, he was, he was teaching the Sunday school class. He was actually the executive pastor of the church. 
he comes to me and a couple other guys, and this is what he says. He says, um, hey guys, what do you think about just coming up here on Saturday nights to the church, and what if we just start doing some spiritual house cleaning? What if we just start praying around the church? He says, I'll be honest with you, I've never done that, but I just want to take the Bible for what it says, and I, and I, I really want to start, like, just, if, it's, if it says that God's going to move through prayer, then and he's going to move through prayer. If he says there's demons out there, then apparently there's demons out there. If there's a spiritual realm around us, apparently there's a spiritual realm around us. And so why don't we just start doing what the Bible says and let's just come up here and start praying. It was like, okay, all right, we'd be glad to do that. And so every Saturday, David would meet me and a guy named Troy and a guy named Danny. And those two dudes were weird. I, I, I came straight from the world. They were believers. They're like, y'all are weirdos, all right? But they loved Jesus. They were weirdos that loved Jesus. And we would sit on the front row, and he would just pour into us the importance of prayer and what the Word said and what the Bible said. And he'd just pour into us about, hey, we're going to go around this church, and we're just going to ask God to, to, to reveal to us the things that needs to be prayed over. We're going to ask God to speak to us what he wants to have happen tomorrow. We're going to pray that into existence. And you know, God's going to reveal to us and give, make us sensitive to, to spiritual attacks on the church, and we're going to start praying against those things, and we're going to believe in authority and the authority of Jesus. Anyway, I could give you, I mean, like, forever. Then we'd go turn on, we had a jukebox, all right? This was in the 90s. We had, like, a little ghetto box, and we'd put it up there, and we'd push play with a little tape cassette in it, and we'd just walk around, and we'd pray. I didn't know what we were doing. We were just praying, and he was teaching us. And all of a sudden... God started answering our prayers. We started, everything that we started praying for specifically started happening all over. Now, I'll be honest with you, I kind of missed a part. I missed a section. We actually, we actually started this in Sunday school. That's, that's, that's where I meant to start. He asked us, first off, do, why don't we start meeting in Sunday school class before church, and why don't we pray here before we have Sunday school? And so we started praying in Sunday school and God started moving in our Sunday school class large, large ways. And then he said, why don't we take that to the church and why don't we start doing this on Saturday night the same thing we do in Sunday school. Which, by the way, you know that if God can move in a Sunday school class, then he is moving. It has got to be revival, all right? I don't know about so many Sunday school classes y'all been to. The big picture is, is God started really moving. And God started pouring out revival in the 90s in a Baptist church. We went from your typical Baptist church to a Baptocostal church, if you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all, all, all the Pentecostal folks are like, yeah, bless God, he got them. They all got saved, praise God. Listen, we started, see, we started seeing people get saved. We started seeing people like, like just people drive, would drive, literally would drive by the, the church on the road and would come into the church. Because literally, this is the honest truth. These are things that we would pray for specifically. God, we pray that your spirit would be so strong here that when people drive by on the road outside this church, that the presence of God would, would, they would experience the presence of God and it would draw them into this place. That happened all the time. We would meet people who would give their life to Christ and they'd say, I don't know what it was. I was just driving by the, by the church and just, just felt like I needed to come in. Well, it, it kind of bled over from praying on Saturday nights with just us three to where all these people started showing up because they started finding out what was happening. And they started seeing what God was doing in mine and Troy and Danny's life. They just saw some, something different in us that they were, people were wanting. Next thing you know, they hire a 
some kind of Bapticostal worship leader. And he goes in and starts teaching his, the choir how to pray and fast. And all of a sudden, the choir starts praying and fasting. And all of a sudden, you start having two-hour-long services. Some of y'all thinking, dear God, don't do that tonight, brother. We good. <laughs> Hold on now. But it, the, the, the church started exploding. Because honestly, people, people, they would schedule their vacations around church because they didn't want to miss out on something. Listen, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, there's, there's a place where it is... There's a place where it is awesome to have all the stuff that we have. Because we got all this at our church also. Lights, cameras, all this kind of stuff. But there's nothing that draws people to church anything greater than the presence of God. And and so what we've all, what what they, like David Jett, the guy, my spiritual mentor, my spiritual father, and several other uh, men that, and women that got in my life that taught us about prayer and just taught us about the spiritual life. Um, this is what they would always say. We want to build a service that attracts the presence of God so that God can attract the people. We want to build a service that attracts the presence of God so that God can attract the people. And this is what they would say. The only way that we can build a service that attracts the presence of God is through prayer. Because there's something about prayer that moves the hand of God and his, his presence just drops. And so we pray. And so, I, that's what these guys taught me. I, I didn't know a lot about the Bible. I didn't know a lot of stuff theologically. But I knew, that, okay, there's something about prayer that works. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it's funny, it was in my one-year Bible this morning. So I felt like, oh, Lord, apparently the Lord wants to do something. Now. It was in my one-year reading. Psalm 27.4 says this. This is my favorite verse in the Bible. It says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. The one thing. Out of all the things I could ask, this is the one thing that I ask, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Basically what David is saying in the text is the one thing I ask of the Lord, this is the one thing that I seek, is that I may dwell in the presence of God all the days of my life. Because there's nothing greater than the presence of God. And so if you really want to see what I learned from that moment in a church is that when the body of Christ, when the believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, begin to buy into and believe in prayer, and we begin to do it together, just go check out the first church, all of a sudden, God begins to explode in a church. He explodes in your life. He explodes in the community's life, the apartments, all these places around you. you got the Pelican restaurant up there. He's exploding there. All right, listen, he's going to start moving in people's lives. So, so basically, I went from praying there and God moving and just seeing God. I mean, just I'm not, I'm not even telling y'all half of it. I'm I got a lot to say. So they bring me on staff. Um, so I got saved at this church. Um, I got basically got called to ministry in this church, and then they put me on staff in this church. And so they put me on as an associate junior high minister. All right. Um, I don't know about y'all, but junior high kids are the meanest humans on earth. I, that was definitely God time to teach me how to die to my flesh. I, the smelliest and the meanest all in one. But, um, but I remember while I was there, um, I just had a heart for prayer. and they, uh, In the process of being a minister there, they, they bring in a new student pastor, which by the way, I'm not trying to kill this guy, but I, know, I hope it don't sound this way. This is the way he had always been taught. But he started teaching me 
about ministry, about how to, how to do like cool stages and how to do like cool lights and sets and like, man, we're going we gonna to do an incredible stage. We're doing events, like how to go out and do events, which by the way, I think God used him in my life for a lot of things that we do in our church now, all right? But how to do events, how to bring in lots of people, how to do such and such. And so there was a place in the process that I didn't realize it. I was still praying, but all of a sudden, I started turning away from just depending on God's presence to depending on how I build a stage, to how I can, to how I can preach and connect with people, to how I can do an event and draw a crowd. Does that make sense? So I started, I started moving away in my heart, didn't even realize it, from what had got me to where I was. What had grown churches and what seeing people see God move in people's lives. Now, when this guy was teaching me all this, he wasn't he wasn't doing it on purpose, you know, to move me away. But but with me, it's my own fault. Put it that way. And so, um, so I leave the student ministry and they hire me to be a singles and college pastor. Okay, and so so I'm a singles and college pastor. Um, so there's a place where um, it was really, really struggling. I heard on a regular basis, I'll come back to this in just a minute, I heard people say on a regular basis, like, you know, Gardendale really isn't a singles town. Gardendale isn't really a college town. Um, it's always going to be what it's always going to be. You're not sitting down there next to the University of Alabama, Birmingham. You're not going to reach a lot of college students. You know, just good luck. But I was like, well, thanks for hiring me to maintain the ministry. You know what? I've never been wired that way to maintain anything. It drove me crazy that I heard that on a regular basis. And so we started a, a single service on Wednesday nights for young professionals. And then we started a college service on Thursday nights. Now, our single service was called Unveiled, which is a really bad name for singles ministry. Um, I don't know. That was sounded good at the moment. And then our, then our, our college service was called The Generation. And so... I hired another guy to come in, and I have a whole other story with the guy that I hired who is my best friend, and Envy got involved, and just my junk on the inside. I don't have to tell that story another day because it's something that I believe all of us deal with. God just had to reveal it to me, and I wept forever. So anyway, we'll come back to that. I'll tell you one of my other sins in just a minute. So don't y'all like it when preachers tell you all their sins? You know, you don't have a lot of people come up here. And, you know, most of the time you have people telling you, like, which I think is awesome. Hey, I struggle with addiction. I struggle with drugs. God set me free. Which, thank you, Jesus. But when was the last time you heard somebody stand up here and say, like, I just want to tell you I struggle with the person in the cubicle next to me. I can't stand them because they're getting more praise than I am. All right? It don't happen. Nobody, because envy is one of those dark things that's just nasty. All right? So anyway, so there was a place where he moved. Like, he left and went to another church. And so I, had, I went back and took the singles in college ministry together. And so we got rid of Unveiled, thank God, and we, put, we, we made just the singles and college service together and called it The Generation, all right? So we started doing a service on Thursday nights um, at 8 o'clock, which, dear God, what was this? I got a bedtime alarm that set at 8 o'clock, like, time to go to bed. <laughs> it's a reminder. I was just starting the night then. So, so we started a, a service called The Generation, and... Um, you know, I had all these people coming to me and telling me like, hey, I don't know why you're doing a service on, on Thursday nights. It's never going to grow. It's always going to be whatever. So there was about probably about 50 kids that would come to it, maybe 70 on a good night. And so um, 
there was still a place where I was still praying. I'd go into where we did our services. It was called the big room. And so I would walk around that room almost every day and I would pray on my own, just asking God to move. And, and I remember there was one day where, honestly, God kind of grabbed me up by the shirt collar. I don't know if you've ever had one of those in a nice way, in a real gentle way. And just, just loved on me a little bit because I was having conversation with him. And I was like, God, I'm so tired of hearing people say, you can't do what you, what you can do. They're saying that you can't grow a college ministry. You can't grow singles, but you can't grow a, a service on Thursday nights. Like you can't reach people here. I'm so sick of it. And it was one of those times where you knew God was speaking. God, God spoke to me after I told him, God, they put you in a corner he said, uh, Andy, it's time for you to return to your first love. You've gotten away from prayer the way I've called you to put it as first in your life. You put me first. You've, you've got other things in, in, in the way. You've, got, you've put your trust in a stage, and you put your trust in three points in a sermon and a poem, and you put your trust in screens, and you put your trust in events, and, and you've got to get back to your first love. It's time to start praying. And so in the moment, I started just... Broke down and wept a little bit. And then immediately I get up the phone and I started calling college kids that I knew loved Jesus. I said, here's what we're going to start doing. We're going to start meeting after they had a big church service at, at the church we was at called Oasis. It was an adult service. After Oasis is over, on Wednesday nights, we're coming to the big room where we do our services. And we're going to start crying out to God for God to move. Just like we did whenever God started moving in the in our Sunday school class, just like he did whenever we was doing it, whenever I was young, growing up, learning how to walk with God in our church. We're going to start doing that here. And so I would say for probably three or four years, we hardly missed any days. I mean, it was awesome to see 60 or 70 college kids spread, spread out across every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, spread out across the big room, laying on their face, crying out for their friends. We would go to every one of the walls and we would reach our hands out and we'd start calling out different cities, north, south, east, and west. God sent us people from Morris and Kimberly, which of these are places in Alabama, from Coleman and Corner. God sent us people from Birmingham and, and Hoover and Oak Mountain and Tuscaloosa. God sent us people from Trustful. God sent us people from Centerpoint and Pinson. And we'd just start crying out for God to just send these people. God, bring them, bring them, God, to a place that you're not supposed to do anything. We just, we prayed and we asked God to move. So three, or three and a half to four years in of praying, it's about the same. And really, I mean, like, it's about 50 people still coming. Um... There, there wasn't very many people giving their life to Christ. But in the process, I didn't realize it. It was frustrating. But God was maturing me and maturing our people to prepare us for what he wanted to do. And I can remember, um, I don't remember what day it was. I was coming in. Uh, into the office on a Wednesday morning where I was preaching on Thursday to prepare my sermon for Thursday and I was going to I was honestly going to start studying something on the fear of man and so um, I get in to my office and I sit down and I have this lady who's one of my friends he, she actually works with us now at the church uh, in, in, at our church at Desperation she called me and she was crying. I was like, whoa, what's going on? She says, Andy, 
I've disobeyed God. I was supposed to give you a word, word from God a long time ago, and I didn't do it, and I, I've, I've got to tell you what God told me to tell you. She said, Andy, God's got people outside the building where we do our services. He said, Andy, in the spirit realm, God's got people wrapped around that building over and over again in chains, spirit realm, waiting to get in here. But God can't let them in until you get set free from the fear of man. You've got the sin of the fear of man, and it's holding back what God wants to do. In other words, I was worried to death about what other people think, and I still probably struggle with that at times. I've gotten a little bit better at it. After you've passed a church and whole crusty people come up to you and tell you how bad you are, you kind of get used to it after a while. He's a cult leader, bless God. Just look at him. He handles snakes. No, I don't. I hate snakes. That's Daystar Pastor. Anyway, listen. <laughs> so, so I'll be honest with you. I, I was, I was, um, when she told me that there's something in my spirit that just, um, that just broke. I hung up the phone with her and I sat there at my desk and I cried, I bet, 35, 40 minutes, just wept. I mean, like, wept, shaking. Like, I, you, you, there was a puddle of tears on my desk where you could have slapped it and it had gone everywhere. I mean, I was crying like crazy. So David Jett, the guy that started at the very beginning, putting his arm around me, asked me to come to the singles ministry, had already moved to another church. He had left and he became his own pastor. He's in Mississippi now, Crossgates Church. Um, Baptist church, he's Southern Baptist, but he's more Pentecostal than Pentecostal people. But the big picture, there they go, head. I knew they was here. <laughs> Come on, I hear you. Listen, but he, um, which by the way, I'm Pentecostal too, so it makes you feel better. So, golly, I can't see him. I'm Baptist too. See, there they are. They're here too. They're just quiet. Listen, they're all back there in the back. That's my, that's my heritage. So, um, so I called him, and I just, I just, in like a shaky, cry voice, like choked up, like, hey, dude, man, I've, I've sinned against God just in the area of worrying about what people think about me, and God can't use me the way he wants to use me because of the fear of man. And by the way, that, that's something, that's a whole message that we, could be, that we could probably preach right here, and I probably, it would probably affect a lot of people in this room because there's more of us that have the fear of man than we want to let on. And it really holds us back from what God really wants to do in our lives. I, I believe that the fear of man is the number one sin that nobody else talks about. I, I believe it's the number one sin that the majority of church people have. We worry about what people think, so there, therefore we don't give people Jesus and we don't live out Jesus the way God wants us to. So that's another message. So he begins to speak life into me because that's all he's ever done. He never berated me. He never told me how bad I was. He never... He never brought shame into my life or guilt. He always built me up. He said, Andy, I just want to let you know that God's proud of you. He, loved, he, he loves you. And God just wants to set you free, man. He's wanting to do something. And so the message that God had for me for the fear of man got a lot better. And so I just went over to the service the next night. And I shared that message and basically just shared from my heart about the fear of man. 
And there was people just broke all over the building, just weeping. And it was amazing. I don't know what it was about just me confessing and realizing that I had the fear of man that was holding me back from being who God called me and just confessed it. It, it was like the, the curtain tore. The place started getting flooded with college kids, young professionals. All of a sudden, they start coming from Tuscaloosa, which is about an hour drive. They start coming from, from Hoover and Trustful, and they start coming from Coleman, where I went and planted a church, and they started coming from Corner, Mars, Kimberly, Hoover. They started coming from everywhere to a place where God could never reach college kids. And all I can tell you is that the reason why they came there is because there was a group of college kids that were so passionate about their friends that they crawled up on that floor every Wednesday night and cried out for them. And God began to move. He began to move. Man, we started seeing two, three hundred kids on a regular basis coming in there. Just piled up. Started getting so big that we had to ask the pastor, hey, we need to move. We need to move to the sanctuary. We ain't got enough room anymore. We didn't have, honestly, we had no structure. Like, like all the things that I've learned from art, we're art churches. They've taught us so much about how to do church. I didn't do any of that. I don't even know how we had people come. I mean, like, it was off. We started, like, 20 minutes late. Like, could y'all imagine? Like, it was terrible. We'd go, we'd sing like 10 to 15 songs like it's completely opposite of everything they tell us to do but god just god was there and these kids were just on fire people getting saved like crazy just it was it was fun to watch fun to be a part of in the process god begins to stir in my spirit see i'd been there 12 years garden of first baptist was all i ever knew he began to stir in my spirit i want you to plant a church well, I didn't, know what, I didn't know what church plant was. I didn't know how to do that. I just knew other people had done it. I didn't have a clue what it looked like. And so, long story short, I knew, the, I knew I was supposed to go plant a church. Which, by the way, we're at the pinnacle. You know, usually people leave a church when it's awful. Like, pastors, like, it ain't going very good. I'm going to tell it. let somebody else come in here and have this, this, this death. But, but it was the pinnacle, man. God was moving. And God started saying, I want, you, I want you gone. I want you to plant a church. I'm done with you here. And so I started praying and asking the Lord, like fasting. Well, I remember going on a 21-day fast. I was like, God, where do you want me to plant? And like on the last day of the fast, the, the 21st day, there was an explosion in my spirit to go plant in Coleman, Alabama. Well, it's 45, 50 minutes up the road. And I'm like, Coleman? Like there's three churches on every corner. Like they all fight and can't get along. They just start a new one. Which, by the way, anytime you see, anytime you see the name of a church called Greater Vision or New Beginnings, you know that's a church split. But anyway, <clears throat> so, so I, I didn't know why God wanted us to go there. And you know, I, you got all these kids that love you, and they, you start opening up and letting people know they they want to go with you. And so, I took a handful of these kids and. Um, went and planted a church. And, but what we started with, the, the very first thing we did was every Wednesday night, we'd go to my basement with the launch team that we had. And I started learning by then, long story short, Art came alongside us and started teaching us how to plant a church. 
But every Wednesday night we'd pray. Like this is, we're, this is going to be the boiler room of Desperation Church. We're, we're going to pray. The reason why we named it Desperation Church is because, you know, and if I'll be honest with you, I've got a lot of heat from it because I realize there's a, different, there's a different definition for the older generation and the younger generation. The older generation is like gloom and doom. The younger generation is like, I'm longing for, I'm hungry for more, like I'm desperate. But, um, you know, anywhere you look in the scriptures and you see, you see the people in the scriptures that, that were desperate for God, they always, the people that were the most desperate for God were always the one that experienced the presence of God and the power of God the most. And the woman with the issue of blood crawling on the ground, and we know what they didn't have cars back then. You know what she was crawling through to get to Jesus, to just touch his robe. Peter was desperate to crawl over the boat to get to Jesus, and he walked on water. I mean, we could go on and on and on with all the desperate people and how God moved. And so I told, our, I told all our, our, our launch team, like, we are going to make prayer because I've seen it work in Sunday school. I've seen prayer work in a church at Gardner First Baptist when we started praying on Saturday nights. I've seen God move in a, in a college and singles ministry. Everywhere I've been and prayer was the focus, I watched God move. And so we're, this is going to be the baby of our church. This is going to be the boiler room of our church. And so every Wednesday, we'd come to my house, and we would start praying for our church that hadn't even launched yet. Well, tonight, while we're doing church here, they're at our church right now at all four campuses praying, asking God to move. Um, and we've, we've, never, we've never stepped away from that. It's always been the centerpiece. So anyway, so we go and, we go and launch Desperation Church, we launched with 534 people. It was a lot like y'all. I mean, like just a pile of people. Um, long story short, just because I know that we got to go, all right? We've seen thousands come to Christ. We've seen thousands baptized. By the way, it's got nothing to do with Y'all hung out with me long enough, you would realize, like, dear God, <laughs> how does he have four campuses, a college, and build a new building right now? Ain't no way. Right? It's got to be God. Because by the way, the people that I went to church were like, they'll bless your heart, these Baptist folks. Listen, I went to, I went to the people I went to church was like, man, I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, I just told everybody, like, there's no way he can do this. Oh, God, I feel sorry for him. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fail. Like, thanks, brother, for believing in me. Appreciate you. I've heard, I've heard that so much. But anyway, it shows you how awesome God is. You can do whatever you want to if you just put a little faith to it. So anyway, um, so I personally believe, so the reason why, side note, the reason why God called us to Coleman, I didn't know why at first, because it was so churched. But the reason why God called us to Coleman is because there was also a time in the process where, of my, you know, my 20-something years before I went and became a pastor that I went through a really hardcore, strong legalism. And then I went through three years of literal hell, literal torment of getting set free from legalism. God allowed me to experience hardcore, mean-spirited, self-righteous religion and legalism and walk in it. Man, I could get people to the altar at a heartbeat. I could tell them how sorry they were. Get here, you know, and it works, baby. Like, yeah, look at me, I'm a good preacher. <laughs> no, you're a mean preacher. <laughs> but the big picture is, is that God set me free and for the purpose of, 
I went to Coleman because Coleman, Alabama, is not just the belt, it's not just the Bible belt, it's not just the belt buckle of the Bible, it is the prong of the belt buckle of the Bible belt. You know what I'm talking about? It is. And there is some mean people, all right? Mean. Listen, I've learned that outside of junior high kids being the meanest, church people are second, all right? Listen. They, they, but God called us to help them people get set free. It's amazing the D church people we reach. We reach so many people that's been hurt by church. I'm gonna step out and say y'all's church does the exact same thing. How many of can I just ask? I don't know if this is going like this might be a really bad thing to. How, how many of y'all were D church before y'all? Y'all used to go to church and quit going to church and started coming back to church. Anybody? Anybody here? Okay, there's yes, thank you. Okay, it worked. There's some people that did that. Hi. Right. But what you, I'm telling you what's drawing you here for those of you that's raising your hand. Number one, it's the presence of God. But number two, it's a life-given message of Jesus. It's not a how sorry you are on a regular basis. It's not filled full of guilt and shame. It's full of the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of who Jesus is. And there's something about that draws people to Christ. And, it's, and listen, mean-spirited legalist and preaching will last only a little while because people are trying to walk with Jesus in their flesh. But when people understand the life-giving beauty of the, of the gospel, that is what causes people to stay with Jesus, walk with him. It's good. So to say all that, I really believe what that lady saw of the, all the people wrapped around that church, I mean, the, the building in chains in the spirit realm were all the people that we're reaching now. I think it was people there, but God knew it had a bigger plan, just like he does with a lot of you guys in this room right here. You think that where you're at is exactly where God's got you from now on, but you don't understand this might just be a stepping stone to where he's fixing to take you. By the way, y'all can come up and play the piano. I should have told y'all a long time ago. I'm about done. Whoever... Make it real soft. Make me cry. There he is. Um, where'd he go? Is there a place to go back there? Like, that dude just disappeared. Like, Jesus came back and we all got left. That dude must be a strong Christian. Um, listen, where's he at? Hey, bud, oh, you met, I thought a Sasquatch done came got you. Hey, buddy. All right, I'm sorry. Listen, big picture. If y'all want to see God move and reach Wichita Falls, you want to see God move Wichita Falls, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. I know we've had fun, and I, 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 some of y'all, I mean, you just cut up too much. I, that's just who I am. Just You got to take it or not. Don't come next time I preach, if you let me come back. <laughs> you can't go around the heart of God. You can't go under the heart of God. You can't go above the heart of God. If you want to see God move, you got to go straight through the heart of God. You got to go right through the middle of it. And it's going to take discipline. It's going to take passion. It's going to take a love for people like you've never had before. It's going to take a love for Jesus. It's going to take a group of people right here, a group of people like this right here that says, I love Jesus 
God, I love people, and I want nothing more than his presence, and I'll do whatever it takes to get in it. I've only got one little old life in this world. I got one short life on this earth, one. And I don't want to waste my life. And the only way I can't waste my life is whenever I pursue the presence of God and I sit in the presence of God. And God, people walk into this place and they realize that there's something different here. And I know it's not me, but I know it's the presence that I prayed and asked you to come and be a part of, God. That's it. Listen, honestly, what most churches do, we pray just enough to make us feel good about our prayer life. But God wants more. Why did Jesus die on the cross? For a relationship with the Father that was broken because of sin, but Jesus brought us back together, right? So don't you think the greatest way to have a relationship is through conversation? The way you start or, listen, the way you come into a salvation experience with God is the Bible says, confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth. You start with conversation. So why wouldn't you use conversation on a regular basis with Him? Listen, the enemy wars against you from praying because he knows that if he can get you to pray, if he can get you communicating with God, he knows he's got you right where he wants you. Listen, he does everything he can to try to get prayer to be boring. He tries to do everything he can to keep you from praying. Why? Because the devil knows that when God's people pray, God's hand has to move. It's a mystery. I don't understand it, but it is gigantic. It is large. Listen, there's not a one, two, three step to how to pray. I believe God wired us all different. There'll be somebody that'll come up here and tell you this is the only way you can pray. I don't believe that. My prayer life probably looks different than Pastor Ben's, PB. He wired me different. But I just, listen, I can't be molded into somebody else's way. I've got to discover my way to communicate with God. And you've got a way to communicate with God. Oh, he's so in love with you. He just wants to be with you. He just wants to have conversation with you. He loves you. He wants to speak over you. He wants to tell you how proud he is of you. He wants to tell you how much he loves you. He wants to tell you, wait, why are you walking in all that shame and guilt? Why don't you let me drop that off? You remind, Let me remind you of the blood of Christ for the purpose of getting rid of sin, shame, and guilt. I can help you. He wants to hear you're from you. There's nothing greater than having your children crawl up in your lap and say, Daddy, I love you. That's what God wants to hear. God, I just want you to move. God, I want you to change lives. God, I want you to move. But it's going going to come from a, a group of people, a body of Christ, a family of God, saying there's nothing more important than the presence of God. And God, you say that the way your presence is produced is through prayer. So God, I'm going to dedicate myself to prayer. And I may not see the results with my physical eyes for three to four years like we did. But God, I believe in prayer and I'm going to keep on praying. And I'm going to keep on praying. And I'm going to fight in the spirit realm. And God, I'm going to war. And I'm going to do everything I can to pray. Because God, I know there's something about prayer that works. let God move honestly the decisions left I'm going back to Alabama you know at our church we we pray on Sunday mornings before service for like 30 minutes or so 
our staff prays on Monday mornings together at 8 o'clock. First thing we do, we get there. Staff comes in anytime they want to to pray through the sanctuary. Every, every Wednesday at 8 o'clock, we pray as a church. Every Thursday, our college students and our, well, our, in our college, our college students prays every Thursday. Um, we're, our, our, our kids, our little ones, they, 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 we're teaching them how to pray on a regular basis. It all started with a guy named David Jeff. He saw a kid sitting by himself across the church and put his arm around me. He said, hey, won't you come hang out with me? And let me teach you. Because of that, there's little boys and little girls in four different cities in Alabama that's learning how to pray. Because of one man. And there's going to be people in here that's going, I'm telling you, you got that kind of calling on you. I would challenge you with everything that I am. The way you reach Wichita Falls is by God, you go out and love people with everything that you are, but you start right here in this place praying as a body. There's something powerful about the body of Christ praying. It's powerful. Don't do it to draw attention to yourself. All we're doing is drawing attention to God. Pray, pray, pray. If you don't know how to pray, just lay there. Prayer is probably 90% listening more than it is talking. (laughs) Worship. There's not a formula. Just sit in his presence. He's cool with that. And me and my son will drive down the road and he won't say, he'll have earbuds in his ears looking at something stupid on his phone. I'm just glad he's with me though. I got my boy with me. I don't have time to, maybe Pastor Ben can do the how-tos, but there's not really any how-tos. It's it's you conversing with the Father. That's all I got. That's, I mean, I I think that I... uh, Oh, thank you, brother. Hope I ain't got nothing hanging out my nose. Do you want to say something? Okay, here's what. No, I got nothing. I mean, like, I would. I mean, like, here's what we can do if you want to. Why don't I? Why don't I just pray? I, I, we don't really do altar calls or anything at our church. Every blue moon we will, but I don't know if y'all do either. But let's kind of do one right now. Um, why don't I? I'm gonna pray. And if you want to come to the altar, or just sit down or use your chairs. Uh, why don't we just ask God? God, what's my part in the area of prayer? I want your presence, God. And why don't you just, we ain't got another service coming in here, so we got, some of y'all are like, dear God, Waffle House is calling, hurry it up, preacher. Hang on, I'm, we getting there, okay? Let's just ask God. God, what do you do, okay? Just you do whatever you want to, all right? Don't draw attention to yourself. It's all about him, all right? Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God, there's nothing greater than your presence, Father. And God, it is a long, it's it's difficult, it's frustrating. It's not easy for anybody that thinks it's easy, Father. It's a war. And it's discipline. And it's hard and it's fighting wanting to stay home. And it's fighting tired, being tired and 
God, I just want your presence. God, I'll do anything to get there. So, Lord, I pray for City Hope Church. You've put this church on the map. You're doing special things here, Father, that most churches don't see. There is a movement taking place in the spirit realm, Father, that you're doing. But, God, you want to do more. So, Lord, I pray that you'd call City Hope to, to prayer. Call them to pray. May they pray as a body. Whatever that looks like, I don't know. I'm not the pastor here. But, God, you do it. So, Father, speak individually to each person and do something, Lord's Father. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We praise you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.